painter living in Portland from Berkeley, California by way of Wellington, New Zealand. He worked as an animator on some of the most exciting films in the last decade, including The Hobbit, Avatar, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. After 10 years working in the film and animation world and living abroad, Austin returned to the United States and decided to focus on passion of painting, fine art, workshops and fine art techniques. His art is both technically skillful and emotionally vast. More information can be found at austineddy.com. Austin Eddy, welcome to Art Gab. Well, thank you. That's that's cool. That's really a cool introduction. I like that description of um, technical and emotionally vast. That's cool. I like that. Thank you for that. That's yeah, nice. <laughs> How are you guys doing? By the way. How's your night? Good. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, <laughs> good. I mean, it's, um, it's you know, like I said earlier, it just feels weird to be part of, you know, these sort of like crazy times. Um, you know, in some ways, it's like, for me, it's super good. Like, it's like, finally, this is happening. And in other ways, it feels a little bit like, un, you know, everything feels a little bit uneasy, right? everything's kind of like a little bit on the edge right now. And um, it's, I don't think I've never been at a point like this in my life up to this point where I've been so unable to predict what's going to happen so Mm -hmm. close in the future. Right. Like it's always difficult to predict things like further out, but it's never been this difficult to predict like what's going to happen over the next few days. Right. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of exciting and scary and um, you know, all that stuff kind of mixed into one kind of time. And I've, I definitely feel like, you know, I've seen, these kinds of instances where racial tensions build up in America and they explode and things happen. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, it was, uh, when the police beat Rodney King in Los Angeles and there, there was huge riots in LA. Um, but you know, this is what, how many years later, 30 years later, and we're still dealing with things. It's worse, (laughs) you know, it's like how, how did this happen? And, you know, I hope that it, this time things actually change for the better for a longer period of time, you know, or at least permanently, I would prefer, you know, that everything would just, we could get it resolved once and for all in some way and like rebuild, you know, in a more productive society from this Mm -hmm. point forward. You know, I mean, it's just sort of like what needs to happen. I don't feel like, I hope at least that this isn't going to just kind of like die off and they'll just kind of sweep it under the rug and be like, okay, you know, go on back to things. But it certainly feels like we've hit like this point where, you know, with the coronavirus thing and all this stuff happening at once that like people are kind of like finally taking a stand and they're not going to put up with, you know, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that's been happening. So, um, you know, other than all that going on, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Um, I made a really nice quiche tonight though. That was great. Thanks. That's (laughs) cool. (laughs) But, but yeah, it's, I think you're right. I mean, 
someone said that um uh or someone mentioned to me recently like i that they hope after you know after this pandemic is like kind of calmed down um that instead of just going back to the way things used to be that we pick and choose and really basically reconstruct what society means and it, it feels like um all the uh the social unrest right now i think could be part of that too um yeah, yeah. for sure i mean i think it's all part of the same thing like you know i have a feeling that if this if we were in the same situation and it wasn't when coronavirus wasn't such an issue that i don't think we would be in the same kind of situation i think it's like it's everything built up to one thing you know it's like all this stuff happening at one time is like it's like this perfect storm of things that just put it over that point where people were just you know couldn't take it mm -hmm. anymore it's like you know mm -hmm. and at the same time it's kind of weird too because everyone's supposed to be out you know you got to like protest and, you know, stand up for your rights. But at the same time, we're supposed to be in this pandemic and you're not supposed to be in crowds. It's like, mm -hmm. it's so bizarre. It's this, it's a very strange time to. Yeah. Ashley, were you going to say something? Oh, I mean, just to kind of go off of what you guys said, I mean, all this uncomfortableness is maybe what we need to make positive change. So let's just be uncomfortable and come out of it better. I mean, mm -hmm. it all really sucks right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's good that we talked about that because it frames kind of everything these days. But we are here to talk about your artwork, Austin. Yeah. And the first question on our list here is, uh, do you want to describe who you are and what you do? Sure. Um well, I was sort of, uh, I was born, yeah, like you said, sort of in the introduction there, I was born in Berkeley. I sort of had like a, kind of a weird early upbringing. Um, my parents met at like a Buddhist colony in Berkeley, so they were kind of hippie folks. And um, my dad was an artist at the time, and he was one of the first Westerners to sort of take on the Tibetan style of painting, like he learned Buddhist Buddhism from these Tibetans and they have like this very specific style of art that goes along with their religion. And he was one of the first Westerners to take it on. And unfortunately he was also addicted to heroin and cocaine. And so he, he, uh, he had like a, a really hard time and my mom and him got divorced um, when I was about four and um, we moved to a different part of California and sort of like moved all over California, the Northern part, really. We never moved to LA or anything, but moved all over Northern California. And um, later on, I sort of got back in touch with my dad and I started, learned a little bit of technique from him. And I always was like around it growing up. Like he was really into like being very traditional with his stuff. Like he would go out and collect minerals. Like he would go to rock and gem shows and, collect raw minerals like rocks and then he would grind them down into his own pigment and mix his own paint and he was like very serious about maintaining these traditions and stuff and so it was kind of neat to see that and uh, you know i was exposed to a little bit of it um growing up and art was always kind of like held to a high esteem in my family my brother also had some talent my older brother 
and he was pushed to go to art school and art college and stuff. And um, I sort of like ditched art for a while in my teens. I was like, ah, that's stupid. Like, you know, I want to be a teenager, <laughs> like, you know, go do teenage stuff. And so I kind of ditched it for a while until I was like in my late teens again or my 20s and started getting back into it and applied to go to the art school in California called the Academy of Art College, or it was called college back then. Now it's called university. I got scholarship to go there for um, one summer semester. They offer like scholarships for the summer. So you can kind of like go feel it out, you know, and see if you want to go there or whatever. So did that for a summer and met like a lot of people, but everybody was going like, like out of all the people that got scholarships for that summer, we were all in the same dorm, like put all the scholarship kids in the same dormitory. And the only people there that were there for fine, there was two people there for fine art. <laughs> that was it. And everybody else was there for like movies and animation or like visual effects or illustration or some kind of more technically driven or technically focused um, form of art. And I was, you know, it's tough not to be persuaded by your peers to get into something like that. And like, the strong drive at that point was for like computer generated imagery, CGI or computer graphics and doing animation for movies or films or, you know, visual effects. Like this was right around the time that like the, those, the three really bad star Wars movies came out, like the resurgence that was in the early two thousands. Right. It was like 2001, 2003, uh, 2004 ish. I think like, George Lucas made all those really bad Star Wars movies with Jar Jar Banks and stuff in them. And um, yeah. it was just like, no one liked them. But there was all these big resurgence of like CG and all this kind of stuff was happening. The Matrix had just been made and the Matrix trilogy mm -hmm. had just been made. And they were, you know, Pixar had done toys or what is it called? Toy Story. <laughs> and, um, you know, all this stuff was happening in the Bay Area. So everyone wanted to get into that stuff. And, I liked it too. It was really exciting. I love these special effects growing up. Like, like I used to read those magazines, like Fangoria and Cinefix magazine. Anything that would tell you the, you know, how they made stuff behind the scenes, movie magic stuff. I was like, you know, I was a big nerd for that stuff. I was just like, oh, I just any, you know, anything that seemed like magic or like some kind of illusion or something that was like beyond comprehension how you nobody could understand how you did that like, how do you do that you know right blew your yeah mind. so i was always exists. into that stuff and um just really got really focused on it and um graduated and went to go work at this video game company for like a year and a half which was cool it was like um a fun ex you know it was a good ex not i wouldn't say fun but good experience to like get your chops down like learn how to work every day as an animator and keep going, you know, um, it's different from like being a student and then going to work and doing it every day is something different. So I, um, we did that for like a year or so, and then got a job at this, uh, animation studio in the Bay area called Tippett studio. And, um, Phil Tippett is the owner and he was, um, he really got famous for doing the original Star Wars movies. He was like one of the visual effects guru guys for the original Star Wars movies. He was like a stop motion animator, so or still is. And so he um, would take these puppets, you know, he would build puppets of like the, the, the at, at 
walkers or the um what's that snow i'm gonna like star wars nerds are gonna slap me across the face right now but the um <laughs> tauntaun so he, he like animated the tauntaun and like all that stuff like he was you know he was just like this kind of like really big figure in the visual effects and animation world right it was sort of like before him it was just like ray harryhausen it was like ray harryhausen which was like back in the day and then you know he was like a mentor to phil and then phil Tippett came and sort of like took his shoes i guess started to try to fill his shoes and you know made a bunch of movies like uh what robocop and like all that stuff was phil Tippett, you know and then later when i graduated school this was like 2005 2006 ish there was sort of there was another kind of resurgence there's always like these ups and ebbs and flows of the popularity of these you know kinds of movies and stuff and Disney was starting to like come back into popularity like they were like making live action versions of like kind of like animated movies and now they've done it even more this was like the very beginning of it now they're making live action movies of like every movie they've ever made so um I worked on this movie called Enchanted there and um Spiderwick Chronicles and and then they had um they got this movie called Cloverfield we worked on Cloverfield and that was like this kind of big deal. It was like a big kind of hit. My supervisor there decided he was going to go to New Zealand to go work on James Cameron's new movie. And like everybody in that industry, like, you know, they love James Cameron because James Cameron made Terminator 2 and Aliens and, you know, Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> mostly Terminator 2 and Aliens, you know, all the people in that in the visual effects film world love those movies. Be like action movies; those are like highly regarded. Um, and so, he everyone wanted to work on James Cameron's new movie because he hadn't made a movie since Titanic, and everyone was like, "What? What is he doing?" And um, the supervisor from that company got a job there. He moved down there, and then later on, I was like, "Can I? Can I? Can I come? I want to come down and work on it." And uh, flew down or moved down there in 2009 to Wellington, New Zealand to work on Avatar and um, which would ended up being Avatar. I didn't know at the time that it was going to be Avatar and um, was kind of blown away. I mean, it was pretty mind blowing for me at that time. Like, you know, when you see like, it was just like a big kind of shift, like, Oh, Avatar was like, above and beyond what a lot of stuff was happening at the time and was worked on avatar for like almost a year like maybe nine nine months to a year something like that and then just rolled on to the next project i was only supposed to be in um wellington or in new zealand for a year and i ended up staying for four years and moved back to the states in 2013 so i got a job at Leica out in hillsboro um doing animation on Coo, no box trolls on box trolls and then rolled on to kubo and then left left there i think 2015 2016 ish and um decided to just focus on my own artwork and just give that a shot being an animator and stuff is rewarding and it's you know it's really interesting um the best part about it is you work on these teams and most people are very like enthusiastic and very interested in what they're doing because you're working at a very high level and the people that are working there with you are only there because they're really passionate about it. And if they weren't, they wouldn't be able to get there. And so 
it's like, that's the best part is everyone's really passionate. They're always pushing each other to like do their best and make, you know, make things the best that they can. The bad part is you have like absolutely no ownership over it at all. <laughs> you sign, like, in fact, you sign away, you know, a lot, you sign a paperwork. that's like, you know, you don't own any of it. It's not yours. You can't use it. It's like, you know, everything you do here is owned by blah, 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 you know? So it's nothing is yours. And there's a lot of like really like people there who are, you know, working on these projects who have the intelligence, they're like so smart. These people, some of the people that do like the, um, the technical stuff of like all these simulations when you see explosions and stuff like that, these people are like rocket science level intelligence and they like, they are not allowed to hold on to their technology that they create. Like it belongs to the company mm. and it's all, you know, it's all kind of a mess in that, in those terms. Um, but besides that point, you know, it's, uh, it's a good, you know, it's a good industry to work, work for, but you don't, you know, you don't really hold on to your, your rights. It's not yours. And, you know, I kind of wanted to take the chance on myself and be like, you know, do your own thing and kind of be your own, you know, artist. It's this way, whatever I do, whatever I come up with is um, mine, you know, hundred percent. I don't have to like whatever, sign it over to anybody. Um, but that being said, it was sort of like when I, when I left that, that field, you know, it's a huge shift. It's not like, uh, it's kind of like a completely different career. You know, they're both virtually, I mean, they're both visually driven, you know, and you are an artist as an animator and mm -hmm. you're being very creative and all that, but it's just a completely different thing. Like the art world and the animation world are totally different. There's not a lot of overlap and, you know, it's like, it's just different. And, um, there's also, you don't get all that support. Like when you're working at a studio like that, there's so much support. Like everybody has their little job, you know, and you're an animator and all you do is animate. And, you know, you have tons of other people that do all kinds of other stuff. They, they take care of, you know, all the other things. And so, you know, if you're on your own and you're just producing your own stuff, you're just, that's it. You know, you're responsible for everything. So that's been kind of like a learning experience and kind of trying to figure all that stuff out. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I've landed, I guess, um, in terms of my like career chronologically, that's sort of <laughs> how it's <laughs> gone. Um, and you know, who I am as an artist, I guess, is still being figured out, you know, I don't know. It's, I feel like I'll always probably be trying to figure that out. I hope. I think mm -hmm. if I was like super confident of this, I'm exactly this and this and that, then I don't know if I, you know, that might be a little bit restraining or something. I don't know. So it'd be so boring to be like that, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> if I, had well, it all, I just, I know everything. I've got it all figured out. <laughs> I don't need to explore anything anymore. Yeah. I think, well, I think not figuring it out too makes, makes your art interesting and you kind of get to try other things. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't ever want to figure out my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's sort of like the experience is figuring it out. You have to just, that's the whole, that's fun. That's the fun of, of, of life is trying to figure it out, I guess. Right. Well, I was just saying like, you know, and the way that all this stuff, these, you know, from your questions that you sent me, like 
the way all what's going on with COVID-19 and Corona and how all that's going to fit into my work is I'm sure it will at some point And it has even a little bit now. Um, like I was, I've been doing all those little knife paintings um, that are like on my Instagram and stuff where it's like, I'm painting like just eyes on a knife or mm-hmm. these portraits and stuff. And like in February I was down in Los Angeles and I came back from Los Angeles and I had like the worst migraine headache I've ever had in my life for like five days in a row and or almost like maybe almost a week and I was like I had a temperature that was going up and down but it wasn't it was like coronavirus was on the horizon but it wasn't like wasn't a threat yet and um I don't know I don't know if it was coronavirus never been tested but you know who knows um but I have like these, this weird vision. I was like, Oh, I'm just paint on knives. Like it's like a fever vision. So, so maybe Corona has had some influence on, uh, on my artwork. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw some of your work. I think it, I think it was you. <laughs> if it wasn't you, sorry. But, um, where you're painting <laughs> portraits on the wood that's shaped like a, a like camera, an iPhone? a phone. Yeah. 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 That seems very much connected to what we're going through right now. Everyone is spending so much time behind the screen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was like a. I did like a larger series. Um, I've been working on a series of that for a long time, and um, I did some larger pieces too. That was like they're like the size, or they're like the same dimensions of like a iPad Pro, but they're like twice as big, right? And I did one where it was like. like a like a diptych like a top and bottom diptych of a a nude woman pressed up against both of them like you can see her face and her torso on the top one and then like torso down to past her pelvis on the bottom one and she's like pressed up against the phone in the same way so you can like see that she's like smushed up against it and um yeah it's definitely inspired by just like the way everybody's totally into their everyone's like you know, the phone is just like your this portal practically, and it's a portal into people's lives, you know. And the idea was kind of like that you were, you know, sort of maybe kind of invading someone's privacy a little bit, or maybe kind of like just pushed a little too far, breaking that fourth wall, like in the movie or theater field, they call the fourth wall like the camera, right? You're never supposed to like look directly or touch the camera that's the fourth wall and um you know i kind of wanted to play with a little bit of that idea too like mm-hmm. just that there's this thing right it's like and people are also using their phones and technology for connection so much kind of like people are making all these connections this way but there's always like this surface or this like phone this thing between the people you know you can never really mm-hmm. connect um and yeah, I've sort of been just been working on those here and there for quite some time now over the last few years. And uh, yeah, they are, it is, it is interesting the way technology is playing into the, into, you know, our lives in general is really pretty interesting. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm ordering groceries online now. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I haven't left the house in like two months. Except to see you, actually, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, going to the grocery store is really stressful now. (laughs) Yeah, it was during like the peak Corona. It was like 
everybody was so stressed at the grocery store. It was crazy. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I can imagine. I can imagine. That's why I've avoided it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just but, stay away. Yeah. What you said about the fourth wall reminded me of that show Fleabag. Have you guys seen that? You've seen. I know. That, I've right? heard it's really good, but I haven't watched it. Oh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, she definitely and she definitely plays with that for sure. Mm. Yeah. In your artist statement, you write, I am committed to making the beauty and unique mystery of the human experience tangible and accessible. The world around me and my experience of life inspire the visions that are conveyed in my work. The value of what is created and presented is found in its aesthetic quality. My visual language is formed from moments stumbled upon, ideas emanating from personal interactions, History, philosophy, science, art, music, religion, spirituality, politics, culture, and technology, or to put it more simply, contemporary life. The feeling of discovery, no matter how subjective, that Avira finds in my work is, is what drives me to create art. With this in mind, how do you think your work will change in light of COVID-19? Hmm. It definitely depends on how much longer it goes on for, right? Like if it um i sort of feel like we're i hope we're near the end it definitely feels like people are ready to kind of move on and i think a lot of people are just moving on regardless of what the officials have said you know don't get sick so people who are out protesting during a pandemic are running that risk right you have to weigh out that risk of like do i want to get out and um fight for justice or do i want to protect my own life and health and stay home and you know that's something everybody has to weigh out on their own and you know those types of like even that kind of situation has so much tension and things built into it it's right just perfect for making art (laughs) you know it's like there's so much going on right now um you know we're obviously living through like historical moments and I think it would be silly not to try to incorporate some of this into the artwork Mm -hmm. um and you know I have like I'm always trying to think ahead and I've done this big body of work for this show that's coming up but I've got another body of work that I've already planned out and working towards producing over the next year or so and um you know that's all going to be pretty much a little bit larger scale work and you know i kind of want to get more into narrative painting and things like that so i'll try to be pushing in that direction and i hope that i can incorporate you know at least some of what's happening now and the current situation into that work mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's definitely part of contemporary society I was going to say, like, do you think this time we're in has maybe brought about new ideas for yourself or uh, maybe changed different paths of what you were going to do maybe in your artwork or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah, I've definitely, it's more of like a feeling, like like this heavy feeling of <laughs> what's going on in the world. It's like, or if you were just to watch the news and just believe that like that's all that's going on is what's on the news, things are feeling really hard <laughs> right now in the country, right? It's like things are feeling so bad right now and so negative. You know, it's hard to 
be like, you know, the only glimpse of hope is that maybe like things are going to change for black people and people of color in the country and we're going to like grow and things are going to change and get better from all of this. But other than that, it's hard to find a lot of hope in what's going on. It's like, um, you know, or it's been like that in the long time. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get too much into politics, but for me, it's like, it's hard not to try to talk about politics and art like i don't see how you know you can do you think your art is political then uh no i don't think my art is like political but i think what's going on in the country like definitely has an influence on me as a person mm -hmm. and you know it would be i think it'd just be like weird not to acknowledge it in your art in some way you know yeah Someone once told me that simply going to the studio is a political act. I love that. It's true. I mean, yeah. we are, we're taking a stance, um, even if it's a stance for beauty and hope. I think that that's an important stance to take. Um, yeah. Which reminds me, have you heard of the uh, show? I think it's up still at um, Santa Fe. It's called Silver Lining. No, I haven't heard of that. Apparently it's kind of all about that. This like. Okay, um, that's cool. Yeah, art, art that's has hope and upliftment and anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that. Oh, I mean I think that also art definitely has uh, almost you're almost like have this responsibility to try to like inspire people, right? Or do like you know what's the point of art if it's not to make people feel something? You know, I feel like that's sort of like the main goal of art is like you, you're trying to evoke some kind of feeling in the viewer in some way mm -hmm. you know i think yeah you, as an artist you're sort of responsible to like at least touch you know on what's the heart you know the heart of america the heartbeat of what's going on in the country or the world or whatever okay so it's my turn because what do you think the role of painting is in society you've kind of touched on that well i mean yeah it's i think it used to have like a very formal role especially before photography, right? It was like the only way to capture an image was to have an artist create the image. And then after photography, right, it was more of like, took on a different thing, a different um, role. And it's evolved over time, right? I guess I did already kind of answer that question where I think it's the, the duty of an artist or, you know, the role of the artist is to make the viewer feel, is to give them some, to make them feel something. And, you know, and on top of that, also maybe tell a story or there's some kind of information. You can look at abstract art and it can make you feel a certain way. And um, there's no story or narrative or anything. It's just a feeling. And <clears throat> while uh, I'd like there to be more information to paint, that's like the base thing, right? It's like you want to create some kind of impact on the viewer make them feel and then from there i think like the more skilled you are as an artist the better you can direct them along a path right so you can be like look here's how this painting i want it to make you feel and then if you are you know adept at looking at imagery you can kind of maybe find more information inside the painting than just how it makes you feel and if you're a really good artist, you can tie the two together. 
and you can go, okay, it makes you feel, it makes you feel this way. And there's a reason why it makes you feel this way. And the story supports it and then the imagery supports it and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, that's cool and that's good. And, you know, painting and creating and sculpture and all kinds of art form is, you know, you're embellishing on the re on reality, right? It's like, if it's just reality, you could do a photograph or whatever, but you're, you know, you're embellishing it or changing it or boiling it down, doing something. You know, that's part of the role too, is to like explore an altered reality. I like that answer. I mean, it seems like it's also a record of you. You're letting us see your imagination and your sense of aesthetic. And it's like record of you existing in this world. Yeah. You walk down the street, there's no, there's no one on the streets. You could, yeah. you, we could all, we could all be alone on this planet, but, <laughs> but your, your paintings are proof. That. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, there is sort of something about like, what was sort of uh, what attracted, one of the things that attracted me back into doing fine art from working in production of films and stuff is that, um, you know, it's, you're like, you're manipulating, you know, reality, right? You're changing matter from, paint in a tube into this image that has some kind of meaning and that sort of like process of doing that is a interesting and then you be get this like you get an object that is in reality and will you know continue to be in reality until it ends up with the goodwill bins and then somebody throws it away <laughs> and uh <laughs> no just kidding but um I hope not. Anyway, you know, fingers crossed. And, um, and, uh, and uh, to me, it's kind of interesting. I like the idea of having like this physical object that will, you know, that has like, um, like holds a time and a place and it's like real in the world. It's not just like, you know, digits that get thrown away later. So, and also that um, how you're saying, you know, the art kind of reflects the artists and it, you know, that's also one of the things I would like people to kind of draw from my art is, is the viewer's perception of the art is really a reflection of themselves. So I really like to see, you know, what people's perception of my work is. I think that's really interesting. I like to, sometimes my work is intentionally ambiguous and, um, you know, I leave it sort of to the viewer to, you know, find a reflection of themselves in how they perceive the work. Like, you know, it can work, the paintings can mean so many different things to so many different people. And I think it's really just a, yeah, a reflection of the, the viewer of who they are. So that's interesting for me too. Yeah. So uh, multiple choice question. Uh, what influenced your work the most? A book, a particular show, a specific artist or art movement or a food? Okay. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Can we add a, like a different substance on there? No, just kidding. No, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think probably art movement, I guess, would be like, or artists. Like I find inspiration from, you know, many artists looking at other people's work. When I was in junior high, my teacher my art teacher was like, art doesn't exist in a bubble. And that was like her thing. And what that means is that art doesn't come from 
out of the ether. It's not some kind of like thing that just spawned out of nowhere. Um, that it's, you know, it's, you take information in and you, you change it around and then it comes through you and then you put it back out. And um, you have to, the more information you can bring in and, and how you manipulate it you're in within yourself, what you do when you put it back out into the world is you, that's you as an artist, right? That's how, um, that's how you sort of make yourself as an artist. And, you know, there's many different ways you can look at that. Like um, I tell, I teach art to college students and um, I tell them that, you know, like one of the aspects of being an artist and, and it's going to make you a stronger artist is how many ideas you have. Like, how many ideas can you come up with? If you're a production artist, like when you're working on movies, sometimes you're asked to just come up with idea after idea after idea after idea, and they just throw them away. They go, oh, that's pretty good. You got another one? Let me see that one. Okay, that was no good. You got another one? <laughs> Let me see that one. Okay, I'll throw that one away too. And, um, you know, that's like the name of the game is like the stronger artist you are, the, the better and the more ideas you can come up with. And, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't be worried about throwing them away because hopefully you have more, you know, infinite, endless amount of ideas that can come mm-hmm. through you. So, um, yeah. yeah and, and you never know, like six months from now, that bad idea might actually be great. It might have a new life. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm really bad at keeping notes, but... <laughs> Like, I like, I have all of these ideas that I try to like keep in my filing cabinet in the back of my head. And um, sometimes I'll for- entirely forget about something. And then like years later, it'll come back. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I should probably get, should get back to that at some point. I, I like that. I've never heard that before, you know, like, and then the idea thing to have multiple ideas and Maybe too, you know, not to get so attached to ideas is a good thing to remember. And it's good to be reminded of that. Not yeah. something I about, so. Totally. 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 So what do you listen to when you're painting? Oh, all kinds of stuff. From um, 89.9 is the classical station in Portland, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll listen to classical. Sometimes I'll listen to 91.5, which is like the public broadcasting PBS, I think, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I used to be a Spotify person, and then I switched over to YouTube music because I got like, I got kind of upset with Spotify. It kept giving me the same songs over and over and over again. (laughs) It's like, what is going on? (laughs) So I I ditched Spotify, went back to YouTube music, but now I think I'm going to go back to Spotify. I listen to so many different types of music. I've never been the type of person who is just like, oh, this is my you know my music and that's all I listen to I've gone through so many phases as a kid you know um I was telling my buddy the other day that I I had like this reggae phase but I was like eight I was like eight years old and I um (laughs) I tried to give myself dreadlocks and uh it was kind of ridiculous that I have really straight hair and it didn't work out very well um I had to shave all my hair off eventually because I tried to put like beeswax in it. And, (laughs) um, but then, you know, I I like sometimes when I'm working and I'm, I'm really in the zone, I'll listen to like techno or house music or um, like trance music. I think 
that stuff's really good for like something about it kind of puts your you into like this focus zone and you can kind of like just get just knock stuff out like just keep you know i can work for hours and hours and hours at a time sometimes just you know keep going so music is good and other times i'll work completely in silence actually and i don't um won't listen to anything as an animator i strictly listen to nothing and i hardly ever listen to music as an animator and the animation world is like 50 50 split on that well i don't know if it's a split but like so there's some people who are like oh, i always listen to music and other people who are like you cannot listen to music and anime and um i was sort of in the cannot zone because it's very you know animation is very timing oriented you need to you know develop timing for things whether it's just like a little gesture or the movement of a you know character or a dog running or you know whatever it is there's all these like timing things you know every mm-hmm. little movement takes a certain amount of time music has a tendency to like take over your timing ability in your head you know you kind of like end up moving to this rhythm mm-hmm. and i think a lot of animators felt like the music was affected will will and can affect your the timing of your animation so yeah i could see that yeah i just it was just hard to focus yeah what's that actually oh i was just to say you see one person's work on their animation and it has like a specific movement to it yeah yeah <laughs> they listen to music yeah exactly They're like wait a minute there's a little bounce to that person's step there i think they were uh listening to a little music i so you have, I was just, this is off subject, but I heard uh, like in Coraline, they, the hair in the puppets, they put like little wires in there. Do you know anything about that? That's really yeah, off subject. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know specifically Coraline, but you'd be really impressed by the um, the little puppets that they make at Leica. And now the thing is, is like Portland used to be a one studio town, it used to be like just Leica. It was, um, you know, that one movie studio and that's all there was and nothing else. But now, I think there's three three movie studios in Portland. They're all making animated movies. And um, Guillermo del Toro is making a Pinocchio. Uh, we're making a Pinocchio adaptation and they've started working on that. And that's going to be really cool. Um, and they, you know, I'm sure those puppets and everything are going to be really advanced as well. But to answer your question, they put so much detail into those puppets it's ridiculous like um the in uh box trolls one of the characters names was eggs he was like the main character is the hero of the movies like a little kind of preteen kid and um he wore a sweater he had a jumper that he wore um and they actually like knit it <laughs> but it's so tiny Aww. that like they, you know, they had to like find these little, they like use little wires, like just wires. Like, you know, when you look at your speaker wire and it's like twisted together by, you know, a bunch of many, many wires, like that's how you, whatever, most wires are like a twisted thing, right? So they untwisted it and just use like one of the filaments, like one of the hairs of the wire as, as, as the crochet needle to crochet the, and then, they, and then they train some mice 
to do it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They got little gerbils in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and, you know, the I know the woman who did it. She like crocheted, and there's also chain mail. Like he wore chain mail, and instead of making chain mail, I think they like knitted wire, and you know they do it by hand. It's really they're just it's crazy enough. It's really impressive. That's awesome. Box trolls is amazing. The detail in that alone is just awesome. Um, what's your dream project? Dream project. Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess like at some point it would be, um, to, you know, develop some kind of big project that was on my own. Like, you know, I guess like the dream would be to, you know, curate some kind or either curate or develop some kind of museum exhibition of my own right I guess that would be the the main goal that's like as a fine artist if you can get into a, a big museum and um you know have your own exhibit at a museum while you're still alive <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> right. I guess that's pretty cool um so that's one dream I guess um you know, it used to be to be like a, maybe a film director or something like that. But, you know, that kind of faded away with the animation stuff. And um, yeah, right now, you know, I guess the dream would be for me is just to, um, you know, keep working as an artist to be able to, you know, keep on doing what I'm doing and hopefully, um, you know, build a, build a career around it. Totally. And that's actually a good segue. Do you want to talk about your upcoming show? Yeah. I haven't titled it yet. Some of the titles I'm playing with, thinking maybe this art is not safe or art is not safe, maybe, or something like that. And because um, I, you know, I feel it's like nothing's safe these days. And it also feels like maybe, yeah, art is not safe anymore. And also, the you know, those playing with the knives, like playing. <laughs> Like there, some of the stuff is painted on knives mm -hmm. and, you know, it's literally not safe to touch. And um, so, you know, besides the title, it was originally supposed to open on June 27th, but because of the coronavirus, we're going to do a virtual opening on June 27th. And that will probably be best to find that on my website, go to austinetti.com. And um, I'll just make sure it's being, it's embedded on my homepage. You can, you know, it'll be broadcasting on my homepage. So just go to austinetti.com and you'll be able to find the live feed for the virtual opening on June 27th. And the closing party, the closing reception, which will be, um, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, in real life, you'll be able to, um, you know, if you're comfortable coming out and still you know, maintaining social distancing and wearing a mask and coming to an art show. And, you know, I think by July 18th, I think it would be fair to say that that's a realistic opportunity, I hope. So everyone's going to be so eager to get out. They're going to be awesome. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> it's at the Ford Gallery, right? Ford Gallery, yeah. And that's um, on Southeast 11th, Southeast 11th and Division. Um and it's in the Ford building, which is that like big brick building. And it's right across from like Pine State Biscuits. And it's, you know, there's all that stuff down there. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope it's, I hope it's a good show. I think it will be. I'm excited about it. 
there's a couple surprises that are going to be happening either at the virtual opening or the closing reception that I haven't told anybody about. And I think will be kind of cool. I hope. Oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> I hope people enjoy it. People usually like surprises. I read that surprises are, are super important for our mental health. So, yes. so go see Austin's show for your mental health. <laughs> be yes. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Up your surprise, like quotient, you know, it's good. The totally. more surprises, the better. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to add or? No, I'm good. I think it's great. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I hope that I'll get to meet you both sometime in the future in real life and um, hope you both stay safe and stay healthy and keep yeah. on doing what you're doing. And I think it's really cool that you have this um, this thing about art. I think it's great. And thank you so much. And yeah, you too. Stay safe and can't wait to see your show. Awesome. Yeah. Thank I you see. so much. <laughs>